Blog Talk Radio. We the people call for justice. We the people call for freedom of choice. We the people call for freedom of medicine. We the people call for Bruce Margolin, the Dean of Cannabis Law. Well, thank you for that beautiful introduction. Appreciate it very much. Matter of fact, I've been thinking about those concepts. The other day, it was in my yoga class, and I, I was thinking about the term the Constitutional has called for that we, the people, have the right and privilege to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's in our Constitution. I was thinking how much that fits into the rights of us as citizens to make a choice to use the sacred herb, cannabis, and that right should be covered under the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness under the Constitution. The federal government is violating the Constitution by proposing to continue to call marijuana scheduled one drug not available for any legitimate purpose whatsoever. That will change, and that will fall like the Berlin Wall. Unfortunately, it's taken too long, and too many lives have been ruined by that. Hello, I'm Bruce Margold, and I'm an attorney. Um, you know, and I've been one for 50 years, I'm proud to say. I've defended more marijuana cases than any lawyer in the country. And I've also been down for the cause since I started my practice in 1967. I've ran for political office, many of them, on the marijuana legalization platform. And I'm proud to say that those attempts at getting elected, I think, helped push the river because of the good showing I did in four different campaigns for state assembly, a campaign for governor of the state of California in 2003, and again in 2012 for U.S. Congress. So again, um, I've been down for the cause, and I'm down for keeping people out of jail. Matter of fact, my uh, service mark, which was given to me by the United States government, is no one belongs in jail for marijuana. It's protected as a service mark under the laws of the United States. The, uh, one of the things I like to do is keep people out of jail by explaining what the law are, is to them. That's one of the best ways to stay out of jail. Know the laws and your rights, and you'll be better off because you'll understand what you can and can't do within the law and help keep yourselves from getting in trouble. In that regard, I put out and have put out for the last 21 years is my 21st year of providing annual year of providing the guide, my guide, the Margolin Guide to State and Federal Marijuana Laws. Matter of fact, this year, 2017, it's called the Margolin Guide to State and Federal Cannabis Slash Marijuana Laws. The United States, California has officially declared the proper term finally for the sacred herb, cannabis. As a matter of fact, let's see, a couple of months ago, maybe less, the state legislature has changed all marijuana references in all the laws to cannabis. So that's a good step because, you know, as we look back at history, we cannot ignore the fact that the cannabis laws and the outlawing of it really were based on racial um, divide. People saw that the... Uh, Perceived users back in the 30s and 20s were the the um, Hispanic Americans and the uh, black musicians. Those people were very much like disliked by a lot of Midwesterners, and as a result of that, we saw these draconian, unfair, unjust marijuana laws pop up all over the country. Well, we've been fighting that for many, many years. I have for 50 years. In California, they had their first marijuana bus in 1915, matter of fact, in a place called Sonora Town, which is now called Alvarez Street. Could you imagine the hundreds of thousands of people that have suffered under those laws because they have been arrested, they've gone to jail, and they have not only destroyed their futures and their opportunities to be a part of society because of the convictions Matter of fact, those are felony convictions, and destroyed their families because, in many cases, they were unable to, you know, make a decent living all the years after they were arrested and convicted of these ridiculous laws that caused 
so much detriment to them and to their family and to society. Well, let's get back to it. So my thinking is about this is that knowing the laws and your rights could be the way to stay out of trouble and therefore I wrote this guide. And if you want to see this guide, you can go online at 420laws, L-A-W-S, 420laws.com and you scroll down to this green booklet and you'll see the Margolin Guide to State and Federal Marijuana Laws. Unfortunately, that's a 2016 copy because, as I alluded to in a minute ago, 2017 has caused a lot of changes in the laws. It's taken me this much time this year, now nine months, to complete the 2017 guide. That's because, as I'm writing it, the laws are changing. Every time I turn around, there's a new um, statute that comes up from the legislature. There's new rulings in the courts. There's local rules in all over the state of California, and I'll explain all that to you. But nevertheless, uh, it was suggested that some basic uh, teaching of the law, which I love to do, it could be very helpful to people that really don't know what's going on, especially now that we passed Prop 64, the legalization law in California. A possession of marijuana is now legal. That is, to possess so it's legal to possess and give away an ounce of marijuana and eight ounces of gram, eight grams of hashish, under section 11362.1 to sections 11362 H and S. That's health and safety code. As of November 2016, with the passage of Prop 64, it is legal to possess, transport, purchase, <clears throat> obtain, give away to persons over 21 or older without any compensation whatsoever, not more than 28 grams of marijuana in the form of concentration, concentrated cannabis and eight grams of concentrated cannabis, hashish, including uh, as contained within marijuana products. It also, Prop 64, which was passed again in November 8, 2016, reduced felonies to misdemeanors. For the area, and those, those felonies were possession for sale 11359, 11358, cultivation, 11360, which is sales and transportation of over an ounce. Felony convictions for marijuana offenses also may be reduced to misdemeanors by Prop 64 because the law is retroactive. And by petitioning the court, you can have your record changed to what would have been under Prop 64 had it been in effect. There are exceptions. Transportation out of state, people with prior sex offenses and serious or prior violent felonies and marijuana convictions involving minors. Other than that, anyone convicted of a felony case in California, no matter how long ago, can petition the court to reduce that matter to misdemeanors and have it expunged under the law. Matter of fact, a big part of my practice is helping people do that. I've gotten people not only that, how to reduce, but I have people released in prison who are serving prison sentences for felony marijuana cases. Those days are beautiful when that happens. If you want to talk to me about anything helping you with regard to any criminal matters, call me at 1-800-420-LAWS is my telephone number as well as my website. 1-800-420-5297, 420-LAWS. Now, um, there are some interesting other parts of the law. For example, uh, it is um, nothing in the law shall be construed to permit persons to, one, smoke or ingest marijuana or marijuana products in any public place except in accordance to Section 26200 of the Business Profession Code. Otherwise, it's an infraction. Number two, smoke marijuana or marijuana products in a location where smoking is prohibited is also $100 for infraction. Smoking marijuana or marijuana products within 1,000 feet of a school, daycare, or youth center while the children are present at such school or daycare or center or youth center except in or upon the school grounds of a private residence in accordance with Section 626-200. You cannot um, basically talk near those schools, daycares, or youth centers unless you're in your own residence. 
Otherwise, you're subject to an infraction of a $100 fine. Also, persons um, um, possession of an open container or open package of marijuana or marijuana products while driving or in a moving vehicle or riding in a passenger seat or compartment of a motor vehicle, boat, vessel, or aircraft, or other vehicle used for this purpose is an infraction, but that's a $250 fine. Now, those fines can add up quickly because with penalty assessments, for example, $100 fines can turn into $500 with all the assessments they throw on them. So that's crazy. Also, uh, a manufacturer of concentrated cannabis while using volatile solvents, unless done in accordance with the licensing laws, uh, remains a serious felony and it's illegal. Smoking or just marijuana or marijuana products while driving or operating a motor vehicle, boat or vessel, aircraft or other vehicle used for transportation is also a $250 infraction. I hope you don't mind me going through these details, but people are just not aware of this because they're not sure what the law is. Smoking or ingesting marijuana or marijuana products while riding in a passenger seat or compartment of a motor vehicle, boat, or vessel, etc., used for transportation, etc., etc., um, uh, while uh, no person who's under 21 or present is also a $200 infraction. So nothing in this section can, can be described or attributed to amend or repeal the effect or strict the preempt laws of the Compassionate Use Act of 1996. That means that under the law, we passed in California the Compassionate Use Act. Prop 64 did not in any way overturn or overrule the rights of patients to possess and grow marijuana for their personal use. It also allows for caregivers to provide marijuana to patients under under um, Prop 215, the Compassionate Use Act. So there are a lot of uh, details of the law, but generally it means you can't be talking in the car, folks, okay? You can't be leaving the weed in open spaces while you're in the car, like joints in the ashtray and things of that nature. It's tough to do. Mine are fine, but they can add up. Also, there are some exceptions I noted that recently came down from the legislature that marijuana... Patients apparently can have open containers in their vehicles, even in the compartment. I believe one of the new statutes that have qualified the fact that patients um, are not living in that way. Maybe they think patients should have the right to have it readily available. I don't know why, but that's what the law provides. So, again, possession of uh, an ounce or less is legal in California, and uh, it's simply no problem to possess it, smoke it, keep it in your, in your, on your possession, travel with it, and give it away with no um, compensation. That means you can't sell it. Possession of over an ounce of marijuana or over eight grams of hash is a misdemeanor, including by adults over 21. So, you know, for knowing the possession of over an ounce of marijuana is a misdemeanor, that is punishable up to six months in jail and five hundred dollar fine. Um, now, there's a lot of exceptions to people getting um, convicted of that. There's things called diversion in California, which means you go to some classes to get it dismissed. They're also, in the city of Los Angeles, the LA County of County of Los Angeles, we have a diversion program. If it's a first offense misdemeanor, no matter what kind it is. The judge can give the court diversion, which means it's a standard trouble, basically, and that's it for a year, and they dismiss it. Anyway, um, um, anyone who is under 21, however, who is convicted of any amount of marijuana, I don't care if it's gram or five grams, because they're not allowed to use it, will lose their driver's license for a year, regardless of whether or not the offense was related to driving. So, anyway, those are some of the laws in California about possession of weed, under an ounce and over an ounce. The interesting part about it, and which really is kind of shocking, is that Prop 64 also calls for the fact that marijuana 
uh, is, is uh, to deem lawful by this section, Prop 64, is not subject to being called contraband, nor is it subject to seizure. And no conduct deemed lawful by this section could constitute a basis, guess what, for detention or search or arrest. That means the smell of marijuana in California is not probable cause any longer, arguably unless the officer or police, or police have good reason to know or probable cause to believe there's more than an ounce of marijuana present in their investigation. So simply smelling it, that'd be a hard thing for most cops to be able to come up with. Anyway, so um, I think those are interesting matters that everybody should be aware of. And it's interesting that the legislature in Prop 64 has actually changed the search and seizure laws to that degree. Now, in my guide, I talk about possession for sale, cultivation, etc. By the way, cultivation in California is legal for up to six life plants in some, any residence. Anybody can grow until over 21, six plants in their home. And the ounce, the ounce that they're allowed to have is also excesses. You can have excess amounts for what you may have grown. So if you grow six plants and get, you know, a pound of butt out of them, those you can keep and keep them in your house, and you can be that could be that's legal also. However, that's once pointed out to me by Chris Conrad, who's a famous guy in this industry, who is a well-known cannabis expert. He says you better keep your root balls available to prove that you grew that weed at your house. So keep that in mind, folks. Okay. Anyway, so we have cultivation laws in California that over an ounce of marijuana is um, a misdemeanor. Um, cultivation of marijuana is um, because, because it's charged as a misdemeanor. And if it's over, if it's over uh, six grams, it's like a six um, plant, it's uh, a misdemeanor unless you're a qualified patient or have retained a local license or are conforming with local regulations. Each city and county has their own uh, autonomy to decide how they're going to enforce and create marijuana laws, particularly when it comes to how much to allow people to grow in their their yard or in their house. It's amazing. It's a whole patchwork of laws throughout the state, which is very confusing, not only to the people that live in these different states and counties, different counties and cities, but to law enforcement and to uh, lawyers who have to keep up to speed on every city and county if they get cases all over the place, which, in fact, I do. I've got cases up in, you know, Tulare County. I've got cases in Humboldt County. So each county has their own little shtick going on, which requires a lot of attention. You've got to be aware of what you're dealing with. So the laws in California are quite extensive when it comes to the Changes have come down as a result of legalization in Prop 64. Um, particularly when we talk about the licensing laws. Those are very complex and very inclusive. The licensing laws in California provide for licensing from everything from seed to sale. And in my guide, I reference that so people can understand what those licensing laws are about. But right now, we're going to take a small break, and I'm going to have my uh, my uh, director get on board here to say a few words while I get myself a glass of water and get back to you with some more information. I hope it's going to be helpful. Again, if you need my help, please don't hesitate to call me anytime, basically, within reason, at 1-800-420-LAWS, L-A-W-S. One moment, please, while I... Allow my, shall we say, director, Hancho Mancho, to uh, say a few words and take over the mic. Certainly. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, even listening to Bruce Margolin, the uh, Dean of Cannabis Law here on LSB Toklas Network. Uh, my name is Jason Isaac Huff-Brodsky. I, too, am a radio host of another show, uh, Smoke Rules Radio, happening on Tuesday nights at the uh, 8 p.m. Pacific Time hour. 
I am uh, really glad to have Bruce here to go off on his actual real technical legal knowledge and facts and information that is crucial to know, things that I wish I could even share in such detail. Like I could be hyped and stoked and cheerlead about everything, but, you know, really it's the people that are on the field that are playing the game. And this man is on the field directly, day in, day out, dealing with Mr. Law Dog up there with their gavel, choosing people's fates. And just, you know, just throwing things to the side, to the left, right. You know, you win some, you lose some in these battles because the laws themselves are, they're not in the favor of those involved in marijuana. Bruce just outlined marijuana because of Prop 65 became more illegal than it has been before. Now all these extra fines come down upon you. You lose your license if you, uh, you know, have nothing to do with the car, but you're under 21, and you have marijuana, then you lose your license unless you can prove that it's medical because the medical still is holding down, unlike what I've seen in Washington where a lot of the medical world just got ignored. It was just, uh, whatever, 18 to 21, who needs it? You know, the dispensaries. Don't don't notice. It just goes back to how it was, the black market again, feeding the people that need their medicine. So it's we have Bruce right here bringing down what the, these laws are happening here in California. And I know we have many listeners that are outside of California. Actually, two-thirds of our listeners are from uh, other places throughout the United States and also the world wanting to know what's happening here in California. And I I give appreciation and props out to everybody out there wanting to figure out how to do it right because, you know, we don't want everyone to reinvent the wheel. Look at what we're going through here in California and share with you our stories and our visions and our ideas to make things better, hoping that people out there that are still stuck in the legal system with the laws holding them down, still trying to just get even medical marijuana, let alone recreational marijuana, how to get there two birds with one stone and and succeed to do it right, to be understood by the people that plant is a plant and a human is a human and our freedoms are just and right. And that's why we're here fighting. And our, our biggest fighter here for our freedoms, choose what our medicines are, is Bruce Margolin, the uh, number one opiate destroyer of, uh, of what uh, the system is, uh, you know, everyone's all getting all stuck on opium. A lot of low-class people, you know, don't have money. You know, go use the opium. You'll feel better. Well, that's reversing. It's like, why well, do I need to stick stuff in my arms? I can smoke a joint. I can do a dab. I can get my relax and heal myself from the pains. Because that's what the opium is. It's, it's a way to heal people's pains. Whereas with the cannabis, it heals the pains more than just a mask making the pain go away. It helps with your circulation, your regeneration. It's a miracle plant. It's amazing. It's been with humanity forever, ever, I tell you. And uh, right here, we're we're listening to uh, the Bruce Margolin radio show, the Dean of Cannabis Law. And I'm going to send the the, uh, microphone back over to our, our main man right here who's holding it down, bringing you the important information. To the people live and direct on Alice B. Toklas Network. Hi, folks. Thank you very much, Mr. Director. I appreciate you taking off for a moment. I had to catch my breath here. My voice is a little weak, guys. I've been up since early this morning fighting the, the battle in the courthouse, then running all over the city back to my offices in Beverly Hills, which I recently moved to from my previous location where I was for 38 years in West Hollywood. Anyway, I want to go back to some of the, to the details and the new laws to help people understand them. And also, Tom, an important part of my practice now has morphed into a licensing attorney, a business law attorney, to help people get these licenses. Because as I started the program, no one belongs in jail for marijuana. With a license, not only could you protect yourself from that kind of arrest or convictions, etc., 
These new licensing laws and the new laws in California provide for profit to be made by those who take the time and effort to grow it and distribute it, test it, grow and uh, and provide it in dispensaries, etc., under the licensing laws in California. Now, the Don't Use Marijuana Act, pops, you know, the Prop um, 64, has licensing provisions that are very similar to those that we had under what's called AB 266, which the California legislature passed in 2015. However, AB 266 really hasn't taken an effect in California because they haven't issued licenses in, in very minor, in some minor situations. Until 2018, we won't see a lot of licensing coming out of the state of California. However, the local communities are issuing licenses, which is good, gold, good as gold if you live in these communities. For example, the city of Los Angeles, we're now anticipating in November a whole slew of licensing that are going to allow everything from seed to sale as well. So, again, people are interested in getting on board in the early stages of this huge potential industry should contact me, and I will hook you up with what to do about getting a license and how it works. Matter of fact, if you're not even in the state of California, you can still participate and not be a resident of California in the licensing and distribution of marijuana under these laws pursuant to some recent legislation uh, in, here in California. Anyway, so uh, we have these different licensing uh, provisions all the way from that you say, seed to sale. For instance, cultivation, you have specialty outdoor licensing up to 500 square feet for artificial lighting. They have cultivation for up to 500 square feet using artificial lighting. We have cultivation, mixed light, up to 500 square feet. So they have different licensing, different things. For instance, indoor, from 10,000 to 22,000 square feet. Cultivation, mixed licensing from 10,000 to 22,000 square feet. We have manufacturing licenses for products using volatile solvents like butane. They also have a product for using a, a, the manufacturer. Number two licenses are for products that are using volatile solvents. They have licensing to test the herb. People do the testing. That would be a, a great, I think, uh, occupation. Now, the, test, the people that have testing license, they cannot have any other license. They don't love vertical integration of those people that have any more than a testing license. But they have dispensary licenses. They have distribution licenses and transport licenses. All these things you can see on my guide, um, on page 29 of my guide, it tells you a little bit about the licensing laws and gives you some ideas. Now, what about qualifications? Who can get a license? Well, basically, applicants must provide proof of local approval and evidence of the legal rights to occupy the proposed location. In other words, you have to have a local license from your city or county, and you have to show that you have a right to occupy the location. Matter of fact, they require that whoever owns the property, landlord or the individual, you know, show proof that they understand that marijuana is going to be used at that location and provided to people, etc. Applicants have to submit the fingerprints for the uh, Department of Justice background check. Uh, cultivation license must declare themselves agricultural employees as defined by the certain labor code in California if there are a certain amount of people that uh, are involved. You know that the uh, the licensing laws also may deny licensing applications if persons have been convicted of offenses substantially related to their qualifications. Now that's pretty ambiguous, I have to admit, but generally say any felony controlled substance offense was at one time under AD 266 a, a, a basis to deny licensing. However, that's been changed under Adult Use Marijuana Act, Prop 64, that says that marijuana-related convictions do not, do not, again, do not come into play to deny people the opportunity to get a license. So if you have prior convictions for weed, possession for sale, transportation, etc., 
you're not out of, out of the loop when it comes to getting a license. Now, there are certain kinds of prior convictions that, that they will not let licensing be allowed. Anyway, number two, um, all these licenses allow for um, profit. Uh, they are implicitly allowed under the qualifications established. These were previously not authorized under Senate Bill 420, but the new licensing provisions extend to individuals, partnerships, corporations, business trusts, etc. under the definition of a person under AB 266. Likewise, applicants have no longer need to be patients, which is really kind of important because, you see, when we had in place Senate Bill 420, which we still have in place until they start issuing license in the state of California in 2018. But nevertheless, on the Senate Bill 420, it had to be patients providing marijuana to patients for not-for-profit. That not-for-profit issue was battered around in a completely difficult situation for those people involved with the, not only the cultivation of provisional licensing uh, of marijuana, but the people that were prosecuting, they didn't know exactly what license, what, what profit meant. And so cases had come down from the Court of Appeals trying to describe these things so that we could better understand them. And unfortunately, the only case that came down from the Court of Appeals in the area of describing what profit means was a case called Peter versus Mensch, in that court, the case the court said it's a question for the jury, which doesn't give us much definition again. I imagine you could look at the, the, the uh, dictionary definition of profit. In my mind, means after uh, overhead costs and operating expenses, what's left over is considered to be profit. And what they do with that money, if you're a nonprofit organization like a collective or dispensary, either reduce the price of your herb or you put, take that profit and put it into some kind of activity or other thing for the benefit of your members of your collective. There's one case also that should be aware of. As a matter of fact, if you look at my guide, you'll see the multitude of cases that are described regarding the medical laws in California, the appellate landmark, landmark cases on medical marijuana. There's several pages on my guide. You should read them because... If you're involved with a business or otherwise knowing the laws and your rights could be the best way to stay out of trouble. Nevertheless, going back to this uh, situation, what is profit? In a case called Javon Jackson that came down from the Court of Appeals, oh, you know, about three, four years ago out of San Diego, the court held that, that, um, that profit is a question for the jury, as I mentioned to you earlier. They also said that the absence of any records should be considered by the jury to determine whether profit was being made. They didn't say necessarily without records you could you have to be convicted, but I think by implication they're saying unless you can prove that you had uh, like you had the records to establish how you're running your, your uh, collective, then you're in trouble to try to prove that you weren't not making a profit. Anyway, I'm going to have you hold on a minute further because, again, I'm a little tired and I need a little break. And uh, and by the way, um, I think we're accepting calls. If you'd like to make a phone call and ask us some questions, it would be good for me to get a little feedback to know what you'd like to hear about. Otherwise, I'm here in Never Never Land just throwing out information and I'm not sure to what degree you're appreciating it or wanting it. So hold on a moment. I have my homeboy give you some details about how you might want to do that. All right. Yo, yo, yo. Want to give a shot. You want to call in to the, the legal law law radio. Come down here, down direct number 917-889-8298. I, I do understand that this is some of the first shows that we've been able to do. So getting the word out there to the people. It's gathering the momentum, gathering the momentum. So you may be hearing this after the fact, but it's all good because bring it together. <laughs> I take it. That's just a little fun. I like playing with some voice stuff. This, uh, you've been listening to the uh, Bruce Margolin show, 
15 of Cannabis Law Radio. That's you right here, live and direct in Beverly Hills, where action is happening every single day, you know, with people's lives at stake. The L.A. court system just chews people up left and right. That's what it is. It's a big, giant machine. You don't want to get caught up in the paperwork of that because that's just going to hold you down. you got to come out there. Here, I got an idea. Let's give Bruce Margolin a shot. This attorney, this lawyer, figuring out things to help people out for 50 years, going out there, going up to bat, working on the legal karate, getting things going how you need because we've all got to get out there and figure out how to get through the difficulties in life. And sometimes we were caught with marijuana on us a little bit. Sometimes we're caught with a lot of marijuana on us. And we need someone there to help us out, to stand in our corner, to help figure out what the law is doing. Right here, as he was explaining earlier, what the law states as its direct momentum is to oppress. The law for marijuana is not here to help medical patients. It is been rewriting to oppress people so that the corporations take it over. Everyone's hand is in the cookie jar with the taxes going to be reaching 45%. I imagine in some counties, as in in Vegas right now, uh, almost 40% over there. And they've run out of marijuana. So I I don't know where where Reno is suddenly in Vegas is suddenly going to come up with more marijuana for the next weekend. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I have a feeling California being so close, we've been bringing cannabis worldwide. So that's something that falls in is the felonies by if you start to transfer over state lines, the federal government wants to get even even deeper involved. So how are you going to get out of there when all of a sudden the ante goes up and the fines increase as they uh, as, the, as the man gets its way, you know. It's, and I say it because the man is neither male nor female. The man is a whole bunch of papers and laws and rules and momentum to quote-unquote protect society, you know, to keep people from doing the wrong things, but the law has also been used to incriminate and hold down different people. And originally, uh, a lot of talk about hold down the Hispanics and the African Americans by making cannabis be called the marijuana, the devil's weed, and making it illegal and thereby hurting those people, whereas in a sense it's hurting everybody. But on the flip side, we're standing up and we're coming together and figuring out what we need to do to survive this. Because right now we're in a cage of laws. is is worse now with Prop 65 than it ever was before. You think it's legal? No, it's not. It's, it's it's just the veil. you got to figure out how to get through the veil and to be able to survive through here and have dispensaries. But dispensaries, obviously, are going to have more than an ounce of herb. You need to have legal advice and to figure out how your local jurisdiction handles you having cannabis on ground, handles you even growing or letting cannabis smoke on ground. Like All these people are making rules and laws that are not consumers. They're deniers. And they're making all these laws to push marijuana away, to put it in a box, to say it can only fit in this tiny little something. You know, people that really want to follow the rules, well, Bruce Margolin's here to, to help you figure it out, get you through on the maze of just opening up a shop in, the, in these days of what the laws are if you get caught with too much. Now, cops aren't going to probably mess with you for more than just a few ounces, but if you've got like a few pounds on you and you don't, have a way to show why you have it on you. Um, a club that you're going to, you can call that says, yes, that person is delivering that marijuana to me. Or other ways to verify, to validate why your truck is filled with marijuana. Well, you know, we've got to get pot to somebody somehow. There's a lot of people that still need it, and they are not going through legal means to get it. And, well... Something coming from the black market, what do you expect? You expect everything to suddenly be legal. Everyone's going to be like, all right, it's legal now. Let's just go get it at this location. Follow these rules. People are just going to do what they're going to do. And so that's why you need your legal advice and legal help to help you out of these situations and to help you figure out how to fit as close as you can to some of these rules as we're growing and changing. You know, work on the Jack Hare Initiative, 
previous year with for 99 plants and the amount of herb that, that comes with that. How simple is that? The freedoms to just flood the market, get it over with, get it done with, get it out of the corporation's hand, let the people continue to have it. And that's what's important is that the people are the ones that need to have access to marijuana without high taxes on the medicine. You know, even for recreation, high taxes as they're following suit with tobacco. It's California, $10, $8 a pack of cigarettes. Like, (laughs) these, these, these laws are not really in people's favor. They say they are, but they're here to protect children. You've got to protect the children and build a space bridge or whatever some idea person came up with that's going to spend all the money on these taxes. Well, here, let me, uh, let me see how, how Bruce is doing right here because, I mean, I'll, I'll go on for, for hours and hours and hours more. We've got about uh, 20 more minutes of the show. And uh, here you go, Bruce. Hey, I want you to know, folks, I, was, I am and was down for the Jack Herrera Initiative. I knew Jack very well. I'd spent a lot of time on the campaign trail with him. We did some, several campaigns out of my offices in West Hollywood together. We go way back, way, way back to the good old days, as they used to say, when we go on the road have these events at the, at the uh, federal building here in, in um, Los Angeles. Matter of fact, that's what burst my guide in marijuana laws. I'd give speeches to people about the laws, and I realized that they didn't understand the laws. They had no idea what they were up against or what they were getting in trouble for. So I, in turn, um, produced my first guide in marijuana laws, which is actually called the Hempster's Guide, H-E-M-P. S-T-E-R-S, Hempster's Guide to Marijuana Laws. As a matter of fact, Jack uh, wrote me a little, uh, shall we say, uh, recommendation, and I still have in my guide. He said, finally, someone has made the marijuana laws easy to understand. He said, what you don't know can hurt you. Read this book. Jack Herrera, hemp advocate and author, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, R.I.P., rest in peace. Born in 1939, and passed in 2010. We missed Jack. Matter of fact, last weekend, Jack's son, two weekends ago, I'm sorry, Jack's son came to a, an event I had at my offices in West Hollywood. It was a combination of reasons for that party. One was my 50th year in the practice of criminal defense. I was very proud of that, and I'm proud of it now, that for 50 years I've been kicking ass and taking names in the courthouse. And again, I've defended more marijuana cases than any lawyer in the country, and I've defended almost every other type of crime you could imagine. Everything I, I say from marijuana to murder. You know, many, many types of cases I defend against and I have continued to do so. And I'll tell you that, let's just say my clients are very fortunate and lucky. Not to have me so much, I'm lucky to have them. Because somehow the angels are flying around the courthouse and maybe because the court's known me for many, many years and, you know, maybe respect the fact that I've been down for the cause and the fact that I'm a professional, I represent a kind of a off, shall we say, not mainstream um, political view. But over the years, because I've done that so continually and I think so professionally and with such zest and vigor that that coupled the fact that we actually legalized marijuana, we turned their heads to think that maybe I'm not such a, I'm a good guy and that they should do what I ask them to do in these cases. And that, for that reason, I'm proud to say that I'm very effective in representing people in the courthouses to the state of California in all types of matters. Nevertheless, um, talking about cases because... Um, Jason was saying that people love to hear war stories. I know I have thousands of them probably. I've represented thousands of people. Uh, but there's some current cases I have. I'll give you one little kind of a chicken shit case, excuse the expression, up in Tulare County, okay? It's a case involving a kid that just got out of his car, parked his car in a kind of a maybe not appropriate place, and the cop came out and could smell weed coming out of the car came up with a client, and so what's going on is your yeah, blah, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so uh, the cop says, well, you know, I can smell marijuana, can I search your car? 
detained him there. And um, according to the cop, he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Now, that we get that all day long. You know, that's the nature of the beast we live with in this, in this representation of clients, is that police officers often say things that maybe are not totally truthful, okay? I'm not accusing police generally about being liars, but it, let's just say that their motivation to arrest and convict people and put them in jail is what their their motive in being officers. They think that's 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 the better the better good. So the better good. Sometimes they do things that might not be as appropriate as others. But in this case, you read a police report where the cop says he gave permission to search. You're kind of screwed. However, as I talked about in the beginning of this uh, of this uh, program tonight, the smell of marijuana is not probable cause. It's not even probable cause to detain. So if you're unlawfully detained, then any consent that comes after that is tainted by that unlawful detention. It's called the fruit of the poison tree. That's what they call it in the court. It's kind of a crazy terminology. The fruit. The fruit is the arrest and the seizure of the dope and maybe putting the guy in jail. And the courts have held, since I started my practice, that if you violate the law, the evidence must be suppressed. So we filed a motion to suppress that happened to Larry County. Matter of fact, we finished it today. And the case hasn't come to court yet, but we'll see how it pans out. And I'm going to do my best to remind the judge about the purpose of suppression of evidence. Because without that, there would be no holds against police officers violating their constitutional rights. The DAs will never prosecute a cop. That doesn't happen unless it's some kind of murder or some damn thing, okay? So the court recognized that many, many years ago in a case called Mapp versus Ohio. That case, uh, the police officers uh, violated the constitutional rights of the defendant. The court said, you know what? We recognize the fact that to deter police conduct, the only thing left to do is to suppress the evidence take away the fruit of this unlawful search, what they call the poison tree. And so we still have those laws in place in California. We have them in good place all over the country. However, since I started my practice, matter of fact, Mount Ohio came down in 1963, there's been so many exceptions to the laws, it's been ridiculous. Every time we come up to a new decision by the Court of Appeals, to give exceptions to why they can do this, why they can do that. For example, you know, people think they have a right to what's called the Miranda rights. People just all think they know the Miranda rights. Oh, I know the Miranda rights. I get the Miranda rights. Well, in fact, you don't get the Miranda rights. If you're just being detained, you don't have a right to a Miranda. So the cop starts asking you questions about where you're going, what are you doing, who do you know, what's the story. And you answer those questions, you don't have to advise you of your rights unless you're being arrested. Unfortunately, many people feel compelled to answer those questions because they're intimidated and say things that are maybe stupid or misinterpreted, and they end up in trouble. Remember, you have a right not to be detained as well as not to be searched. You have a right to be left alone, and it's always cool. If you say in a polite and respectful way, Officer, I prefer not to be detained. I ask to be I ask to be left alone. I don't want to be, I don't want to speak any further about the matter. Now that may piss them off, admittedly, but that's the name of the game. You have to stand up for your rights, be polite, but remember you have a right not to be detained. You have a right not to be searched. Do not consent to a search unless you want them to search you. And uh, but be respectful. So getting back to this issue about Miranda, the courts have now held that while you're detained, there's no right to Miranda warnings. And what does it mean to be detained? Some court cases have gone as far as putting a, someone in, in a police car and taking them to the police station, still not arrested, just being detained. And during those times, the courts have held that that doesn't mean that that means they don't have to be advised of the Miranda rights. However, once the officers have sufficient information and they admit to that, that they had enough information to arrest, it, see, it seems to be the standard in which some officers believe is a rule that at that point they have to Mirandize you. Now, something else about Miranda versus Arizona. The courts have held 
In a particular case where the defendant was advised of their rights, they asked if he waived the right to an attorney, does he want to speak? And he said nothing. Sometime later, he makes a statement to the cops. The Court of Appeals, Supreme Court, I think, of the United States held that mere silence does not invoke your rights. So you have to tell an officer, if he Mirandize you, says that hey, you have a right to remain silent, you have a right to, to, a, to an attorney to be present before questioning. So you've got to say, I want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. Remember that. Otherwise, they can continue questioning you. If you say something, you can be twisted terribly. You expose yourself to any interpretation they make. Arguably, you're supposed to write down exactly what you say, but don't count on it. Now, another thing's happening in the state of California, which is exciting in some ways. The police are not happy about their jobs these days. Why aren't they? Because these camcorders all over the damn place, okay? They don't want to be recorded. They don't want to be videoed. So they have uh, basically uh, been staying off the streets. Some cops are saying, you know, if they come out and they want to uh, have us to do something, let them call us. We're not going to run on the streets and start stopping people any longer. We're sick of this being accused of all kinds of, of improper police conduct. We're sick of trying to be videoed and and camcorder and all that. So, by the way, this case up in uh, just in, in Tulare County, the cops had camcorders on their on their vet, on their shirts, but guess what? They didn't happen to look the way when the defendant was there, and they asked him whether he consented. That's not on the on the video. It's not convenient. Anyway, um, Jason says invite guests and other people that are listening to, call in. If you haven't done so, he wants to put the number out, that 917 number. It's a, it's a New York number, right, Jason? Um, I, I have no idea. It's a blog house number. Oh, 917-889-8298. I just did a radio program today for called Empire Radio. I guess that's a New York radio station. Did a half an hour for them talking about uh, particularly the licensing laws in California because so many people are interested in getting involved with the marijuana cannabis business, okay? And rightfully reasons why. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity for whole new business concepts in America. And I'm sure everybody's on this, this, this program is well aware of all the news that's come out about the profiteering that could be done in marijuana um, Business. I don't like to say profiteering because that's maybe a little negative, but people are out for profit. On the other hand, I respect those that come in and see me about getting licenses because I kind of find out uh, these people who down for the sake of earth, they just want to make money, okay? And I'm finding that 95% of the people are there because they believe in it. And also, when legalization happened recently, I was thinking, you know, this is kind of sad. How am I going to defy authority by, you know, by being involved with marijuana legalization, et cetera, now that it's legal? Well, in fact, uh, I was concerned that the culture was going to no longer exist. Why well, would someone go around with a marijuana leaf on their jacket? Is that like the same thing going around with a beer bottle on your jacket? doesn't make any sense, right? But when I went to an event that was put on by the humble um, Growers Association up in Malibu Mountains recently and met the people that came down with their products and realized how much they believed and appreciated this beautiful plant called marijuana cannabis and how much effort and time they put in to bringing organic, beautiful flowers to display and, and share with people. I understand and realize that the culture will not be lost by legalization. The culture is going to continue to prevail in America and it's going to bring people close together and it's going to help our economy and it's going to, most importantly in my mind, besides making it available, is keeping people out of trouble, which has been such a terrible, horrible thing for us Americans. Again, as I alluded to earlier, not just because the people are being arrested for it, but the cost of law enforcement time, 
the court's time, the jail's time, the the cost of these resources taking away things that they could be doing that's so much more important to protect us has been such a waste of money and such a blight on our country. And the fact that California's legalized marijuana is going to reverberate all over the world. And I knew that that would happen. I knew that this was going to happen someday. And I'm glad to be able to see it in my career. You know, we had Prop 19 about three years ago, four years ago, I guess it was now. And Prop 19 just lost by 50, by left them like 47% of 52. It was a heartbreak. And uh, I was so concerned that this time around we would have problems that we might not pass legalization, which would, again, create a setback for so many people and so much in our country and the world. We came through with flying colors. People now realize that the brief of madness has been promulgated and fanned by all the politicians and the naysayers. It's finally been put to rest, and people no longer have the stigma or live with the stigma of the of the prejudice against marijuana and those who participate and make that choice for themselves. I'm going to end right now with my with my program. I'm going to turn it over to Jason to finish. But again, if you need my help, please don't hesitate to call me at 1-800-420-LAWS. Go to my website, 420laws.com. My new guide, the 2017 edition, I expect to be out in the next couple of weeks. Please look at that. Read it, because knowing the rights and your law and the laws can be the best way to stay out of trouble. Getting involved with the licensing this can be a great opportunity for so many of us. I'm here to help you get those licenses, so don't hesitate to call on me. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Bruce Margolin, the Dean of Cannabis Law radio right here live and direct in the Beverly Hills wildlands as we have all the different laws that are holding people down. It's very, very confusing. And so it's how do we find someone to help us get through this jungle holding us down. It's just like it's it's no it's no good uh, <laughs> you know I want we need to get through it. So I got a little uh, little uh, music right here that I recorded at uh, at Bruce's 50th, and we'll we'll have a little of that going right here. Thank you so much for listening to the Cannabis Law Radio. Cheers. Sometimes it's original, sometimes I'm copying some Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> like, is it improvised? Someone drives by, you know, blasting some music, you go into some trips. Yeah, and suddenly, it's like, woo, I'm Marley, oh, Adele, oh. <laughs> yeah, they got yeah, good beats. Yeah. Is it okay that I'm recording a little? Sure. I want to catch some of this, Shall this I do, song. Did, you, did someone request flamenco? It yep. just seems that your uh, flexibility. <laughs> I think you can do those right. Looks like you're on a cement surfboard right there. That's the, that's the thing keeps moving as you're standing on the cement. <laughs> okay. Flamenco.
That, are these original? I don't know. Some of them. We're just making it all up. I like it. Sometimes it's original. Sometimes I'm... Sometimes.